tell you why I'm going to Washington, D.C. I'm meeting with several um, uh, preachers and um, Bible publishers because next April we want to saturate Washington, D.C. with Bibles. Go up there and give Bibles away. Uh, at every metro station, when people getting on that metro to ride for 30 minutes, here's you something to read. Here you go. Here you go. The right seed is the Bible. If we're going to reap the right harvest, you've got to plant the right seed. The Bible says in the book of Luke, the seed is the word. You know, there's people that come to our God Bless America rallies that have never touched a Bible. In fact, when somebody's preaching one of these God Bless America rallies for us, we, we talk with them about how to preach to these folk. Because, you know, like one night, one of our preachers says, uh, turn in the book of John to chapter 21. After the service, I said, wrong way to say that, man. I said, you say, open your Bible to the book of John. You've got to say, open your Bible. There were people out there saying, man, I brought the Bible. I didn't know I was supposed to bring the book of John. <laughs> you know? I brought the wrong book tonight. I brought the Bible. Uh, they don't realize John's a book of the Bible. You're working with people that know nothing about the scriptures. Our most recent God Bless America effort. Well, let me go back two uh, efforts ago. In May, we were in Canton, Ohio, and we had 230 people saved in that meeting. 230. And um, lots of folks from the community, but we had folks from churches that got saved. We had Church of Christ folk come that heard for the first time the gospel. You're not saved by baptism, friends. No, no, you're saved by receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And um, so we had religious folk that got saved in the meeting. It's amazing. And then uh, just two or three weeks ago, we had a God Bless America event in Alabama. And we had people saved there. And uh, we're going back to Canton in, uh, in three weeks. Going to have a youth summit up there. The meeting was so strong in Canton that they asked if we'd come back up there and meet on Friday and Saturday just with the young people. And the first two days that we put it up online, we had 250 young people sign up to come. So it looks like we're going to have about 600 young people come. And many of them lost. And uh, so I want you to pray. We, we rented out a school building. And uh, oh, these are always challenges, you know. I, uh, you get big ideas. I said the first hundred people that, that sign up and want free lodging, I'll take care of that. You know, you can say things that you wish you hadn't said. <laughs> but by the grace of God, I found a camp that rented their camp out to me. And I got me some people going to run uh, to the dorms for me that night, you know. And uh, shuttle people back and forth. <laughs> you step out there in faith, you know, and, and uh, then you work. <laughs> so we filled a camp up with a hundred campers that are going to uh, stay over there. People from a little bit of distance away. And got to feed these kids. Oh, my. Got to feed these kids. And so I've had someone volunteer to, to help us uh, feed them on Friday evening. And so we're looking to take care of their lunch on Saturday and uh, it's going to be a good meeting. It's going to be a good meeting. And hope you'll pray for all these things. The way to stay young, hang around young people. The way to die is try to keep up with young people. You know what I'm saying? 
I got me a bunch of helpers, you know. I brought in three other young evangelists. The other three evangelists, the, the oldest one of the other three is 35. I got me three young evangelists helping me do this meeting. I'm going to let them do it, and I'm going to sit back and, you know, say amen and try to raise the money. <laughs> I brought some CDs. We're going to get in the Bible in just a moment. Pastor Hall, I just love your spirit. I like just hearing him make announcements, don't y'all? He just cheer you up. Uh, and really the joy of the Lord uh, is our strength. And all of our services, really, all of our services should be services of joy and triumph. Why? We serve a risen Savior. And um, hallelujah for that. And uh, Miss Sylvia and Miss Marion playing for us. Brother Derek, 26 years old, leading. That's good. And the good news that Brother Tim is coming. Wonderful. Out there, the CDs are any size donation. Really mean that. The newest one out there is I Am So Blessed. This red one, it's eight men singing. The title song written by a 25-year-old pianist in South Carolina. She wrote a beautiful song. Her name is Natalie. And uh, she's 27 now. And she's married now. Uh, but her name was Natalie Rains when she got uh, when we bought the song, and um, you'll love that live orchestra, uh, eight men, four young men, and four that used to be young, <laughs> and um, and piano CDs, and then we brought out the second volume of Bible stories for kids. Even on the way here, I had a businessman um, contact me said, "Brother Fox, I want a thousand of these to give away on Halloween," and so I told him that we'd ship them tomorrow. And uh, Donnie Sumter last year, Donnie Sumter was at Southwide last year. At Southwide, we had finally finished the first 150 copies. Just before I went to Southwide, we made the first 150 copies of Bible stories. Volume 1, these are stories right from the Bible and then a gospel presentation. Two stories, an Old Testament story, New Testament story, and then a presentation of the gospel. I gave one of these to Donnie Sumter last year in October. I said, Brother Sumter, we've got to reach children. 92% of public school children, 92% of public school children didn't go to church one time last year. That's a fact. 51 million American children are classified as unchurched. Unchurched American children. 51 million. So I said to Donnie Sumter, I said, I'm trying to get these things out. He said, well, send me, he said, send me 500 of them. Then he said, how much are they? <laughs> and uh, when, you, when you get 500, they're $1.59 each. And, um, and so we sent him 500, and other churches got 2,000. We moved 31,000 of these in just a few days. Our duplicators working as hard as they could. I spent $47,000 putting that together. We hired real actors, live orchestra, sound effects. I told our staff, I said, this has got to be as good as what Disney would put out and um we did our dead level best i spent thirteen hundred dollars just on the graphics on this thing um but we're trying to reach children amen we've got to and so if you want some stop by there any size donation brother Derek. i want you to run my table for me tonight all right just go out there and if you get rid of everything you'll be a success okay i don't want you to fail now they can, and you can write checks to Bible Truth Music. Don't write checks to Derek, no matter what he says. <laughs> hey, let's get in the Bible, may we? 
1 Kings chapter 13 and verse 18. Let me read one verse. This is what God has on my heart. And thank you, visitors, for being here tonight. Thank you. 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 18. He, this is an old preacher, an old preacher. He, he, the old preacher, said unto him, that's the young preacher. The old preacher is speaking to the young preacher. Okay, he, the old man of God, said unto him, the young man of God, the old man said, I am a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me, the old man said, an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. And then an absolute awful sentence in the Bible. But he, the old preacher, he lied the old man of God lied unto him, unto the young man of God. Uh, before I preach tonight out of this passage, I want to give you some background and I want to give you some thoughts. I've been saved 47 years. I've been saved 47 years. So Brother Derek, 21 years before you was born, I received Christ as my Savior. All right, 47 years ago. How many in this room have been saved at least 20 years? Raise your hands real high. If you've been saved real high, if you can raise those arms up. You know, <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Did you see how many of them were, Pastor? The vast, vast, vast majority. Of, we're a mature church tonight, by the grace of God. A mature church. This, this sermon is for mature believers. Not just old people. So, oh, this, this sermon is for old people. No, it's for mature believers. And God's will is for every Christian to get saved. You get saved as a baby Christian, but you're supposed to grow to maturity. Well, sometimes we that have been saved, we that have been saved, sometimes we that have been saved for some time, we get thinking, well, there's not much likelihood that we'll have spiritual failure. We get thinking, oh, I've been saved for decades now. There's probably... Uh, not much chance of me having spiritual failure. That's very dangerous thinking. It's very dangerous. Why is that dangerous? Well, let me give you three reasons I think that that's dangerous to think that way. Number one, because of the devil. You see, Satan loves for mature believers to lose their testimony. The old devil wants the mature believers at Valley Baptist to fall by the wayside and, and become wayward and become indifferent to the things of God. The old devil's our enemy. And he is working overtime these days. And he wants the mature believer to fall. Well, I'll tell you another reason why it's dangerous to think, well, I've been saved so long I probably won't fail as a Christian. Let me give you a second reason. I think that's being presumptive. I think we're presuming when we think that way. Because let me, let me ask you a question. Do things remain constant? I mean, are there ever changes? Well, yeah, in May, our church walked out of here dumbfounded because of change. Steve Hall. One of the best music men and best Christians and best husbands and best daddies kind of shocked us all. I read it on Facebook. I'm like, what? It's not supposed to leave Virginia? Let me talk to that man. What's wrong with him? <laughs> We're shocked. Life changes sometimes, doesn't it? 
It changes. Back in May, I told one of my young helpers, I told Josh, he's six foot three, I said, we're going to go to a thousand doors this week in this town. And so he and I were running door to door. I got to 672 doors. And I'm trying to keep up with Josh. I'm running. I learned some things. The bigger you are, the harder you fall. Oh, no. I learned something else. Older you are, the longer it hurts. Fractured a bone in this right foot. Tore a tendon. I've got my cane still out in the car. I'm still struggling some to walk. Mm. Life changes. Man, I mean, in April I was still jogging. I haven't jogged any since I had my incident. Life changes, man. It changes. We're being presumptive upon the Lord when we think, ah, there's no chance. No chance of me falling by the wayside. They say that nine out of every ten men that enter the ministry quit the ministry before they, before they pass away. Nine out of ten. Now that's of all denominations and every stripe and all. Nine out of ten. Pastor, we don't want you to quit. Don't want you to quit serving God. Amen to that. Break our hearts. You and Miss Judy fall by the wayside, break our hearts. Oh, I think we're being presumptive. Then number three, another reason why I think it's dangerous to think there's no chance of us falling. I think that sounds very full of pride. Pride. You know, pride leads to failure. Mark it down. Pride leads to failure. Pride shuts the door on fellowship with God. God hates pride. And you know, sometimes I'm a, listen, I'm a baby boomer. Sometimes we baby boomers, we look at Derek's age group and the millennials in here and, and we get thinking, man, us baby boomers, we've done a lot for God. Well, we better not take credit for it. It's God who's done it all. We're just the servants of the Lord. Well, let's keep our eyes on the goal. I'd say this. These are just opening comments. And man, I've got to move along. Uh, you know, we're nearest danger of falling when we're at the top. Now, if you were to fall, if you had to fall off of a ladder, if you had to fall, say, I don't want to fall. Well, if you had to fall, would you rather fall on the first bottom rung or at the top rung? Well, let me take the bottom rung. I know some preachers that have been very gifted preachers. But at the end, they weren't very good Christians. And I've seen them fall. One, uh, a generation ago, one notable preacher. Notable. He got arrested twice in his city for public drunkenness. Tragic. Lost his ministry because of alcohol. Oh, my. Well, let's get into the, the sermon. Uh, let me give you some background on this passage. Uh, David had been the king. David had been the king. And um, he passed away. And then Solomon 
becomes king and he passes away. So Saul, David, Solomon. And so then after Solomon has uh, passed away, Solomon's son Rehoboam. If you're listening, say amen. Okay, you're still with me. <laughs> Good. Um, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, he, he's trying to get established as king. So Rehoboam, okay. And so Rehoboam goes to the mature people and says, give me some counsel on what kind of king I ought to be. And so the folks with some experience, some maturity, some discernment, some um, wisdom, they said, Rehoboam, your dad was a great king. And uh, we were safe. Things were wonderful. We were remarkable. But Rehoboam listened to us. The mature folks said, listen to us. Your dad put a lot of taxes on us. And we strained. It was a struggle when he was king. And so Rehoboam, our best advice is lighten up. Uh, decrease those taxes some and make it a little easier on us. We, we've strained. Well, Rehoboam heard that. Mm. Eh. So he went to his peers. He went to the other young folk and said, hey, give me some counsel. Young folks said, oh. We've got some advice for you. you. You get up there and tell them. Go up there and say, listen, you think my dad was rough. I'm going to be rougher still. I'm going to be even more imposing as a king than my dad was. He said, in fact, the young people said, tell them that your little finger is going to weigh on the people greater than your dad's thigh. Go ahead and tell him that. Rehoboam said, boy, I like that. Yeah, so he goes out there and he, he tells them how rough it's going to be. What happens? The kingdom divides. And so Rehoboam has two tribes and the other ten tribes rebelled and said, we're not going to follow you, Rehoboam. And so another man becomes king of the ten tribes and his name sounds a lot like Rehoboam. Somebody tell me out good and loud, what was the name of that other fellow? Jeroboam. Jeroboam becomes king of the ten tribes. All right, so Jeroboam's got ten tribes. Rehoboam has two tribes. All right, Jeroboam, what kind of king is he? Well, he's rather possessive of his people. And it bothered him to even think that out of his ten tribes that the people would go over there to Jerusalem where Rehoboam was. See, Rehoboam was right there in Jerusalem. It bothered him. Jeroboam said, oh, they're going over there to, to Jerusalem to worship. And so Jeroboam came up with a plan. He, well, he just established some worship centers right there in his ten tribes. And uh, it was idol worship. It was false religion. But he started telling his people, you don't need to go to Jerusalem. We, we've got worship centers right here. Okay. In the ten tribes, there was an old preacher. We'll get to him in a minute. In a few moments, we'll get to him. Well, God gets a young preacher. He's here in chapter 13. He's nameless. We don't know what his name was. But he gets a young preacher. And God says to his young preacher, Young man, go over there and confront Jeroboam. And tell him, I know about this idol worship, this false religion. And you go and confront him. And young preacher boy, 
You go over there, you deliver my message, God says, and then come back home. Don't eat anything and don't drink anything. Go deliver the message. Don't eat anything, don't drink anything, come back home. Okay. Young man of God gets on his animal. He goes over there. He finds the king. And he confronts the king. King, what you're doing is wrong, the young man of God said. And he delivers the message from God to King Jeroboam. Boy, Jeroboam didn't didn't like it. He got his arm out. And boy, he's going to rebuke that young man of God. He pulls that arm out. All right, everybody, come get him. He can't talk. And his arm withers up. Oh, oh, oh. Man of God, help me. God's done this. Oh, man of God, please help me. Oh, God, oh God, help me. Man of God, help me. And I'm telling you, the most often found phrase in the Bible is this. His mercy endureth forever. The young man of God is standing there. And Jeroboam's arm is withered up. And God has mercy on that king. And that arm gets restored. And the king says, oh, young man of God, thank you. Thank you. What can I do for you, young man of God? You must be hungry. You must be thirsty. What can, what can I give you, young man of God? Young man of God said, I've delivered my message. I'm supposed to go home. Young man of God leaves. There were some boys there that watched all this take place. Who was it? The sons of that old preacher. The sons of that old preacher saw what was taking place. All right, so we've got a young preacher who obeys the Lord, goes over and confronts the king. We've got an old preacher who's been in town. He's been there in the ten tribes, and his sons have witnessed what took place. They saw the arm wither up. They saw the arm get restored. Whoo, they went back to their dad and said, Oh, dad, you should have seen it. Dad, you should have seen it. Dad, God is alive. God is real, Dad. We saw God work today. And at that point is where we come to this passage, verse 18. Let's read it again, everybody. Verse 18. We come to this passage. The old man of God, he hears all this. And he goes and finds the young man. He gets on his animal. He goes and finds the young man. And there's that young preacher. And the old preacher says, I am a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. The title of the sermon tonight is The Perils of the Mature Christian." The perils of the mature creation. Three little points. Point number one. The lethargy that marked the old prophet's service. I use the word lethargy. The lethargy that marked the old preacher's service. Uh, what's the old preacher been doing? He, the old preacher is right there in the ten tribes. What, what you been doing, old man of God? Nothing. He's being inactive. 
Why didn't the old preacher go over there and confront Jeroboam when, he, when Jeroboam first established these worship centers? Why didn't the old preacher go over there and say, Hey, Jeroboam, don't you know better than that? Let me quote the Ten Commandments. Let me just get started. That should have no uh, graven image. I mean, he should have just started preaching to him. He should have confronted him. But he's lethargic. It's a terrible sounding word, isn't it? Lethargic. Inactive. He's been silent. You know, sometimes it is a sin to be silent. Amen. Sometimes a sin for us Christians not to speak up. But the old man, he's, he's been inactive. You know, he's thrown in the towel. He's given up. Why is the old man, why is the old preacher so inactive? Why is he lethargic? Was he tired? Now, you know, the physical energy starts waning the older you get. But I'll tell you, we still need to have some fortitude and speak up. And um, But wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe the old man of God wanted everybody to like him. You know, I, I don't want to make waves, you know. I was on a plane flying back from the Philippines. I had... Um, been a couple of weeks there in the Philippines. Man, there's two degrees of temperature in the Philippines. Hot and really hot. Wow. I was coming home. And uh, I flew to Beijing. And I, I'm flying around different parts. It took me 54 hours to get home. Man, it was a long trip home. And I got on, finally on the last plane in Newark, New Jersey, to fly to Norfolk, Virginia. And 37-seat um, uh, plane, 37 people on it. Plane's packed. In fact, they're using the little jump seat, the extra seat. They're using it. It's right beside me. I'm on the back row. There's five of us across the back row and the little jump seat. And, uh, you know, you get on those things and you take off and you just start talking to everybody. And I, I started telling them how I'd been on the mission trip. And the whole plane was like, yay, Brother Fox. Yay, that's good mission trip, mission work over the Philippines. Yay, Brother Fox. And then we're talking and so forth. And, and a young lady on the plane says, um, hey, Brother Fox, I've got a question, preacher. I said, uh, said preacher, uh, I've got a question for you. I'm, I'm about to get married. And uh, my dad said, my dad said, uh, we can't have champagne at, uh, at my wedding. Now, now, Brother Fox, isn't it okay to have champagne? Just, just one glass, everybody. Just one glass. We're not going to get drunk. Just going to have one glass of champagne. And wouldn't that be okay, preacher? A few minutes ago, I was a hero. I said, whoa. I said, young lady, I like your dad. You have a wonderful dad. I, every dad ought to be like your dad. Woo, I'm so happy for your dad. He's right. You shouldn't have any of that champagne. At your, that's wonderful. Hallelujah for a dad like that. I went from a hero to a zero, you know. But now, wait a minute. 75 passages in the Word of God condemns alcoholic beverage. And I know that. I'm sitting on that plane. I can't be silent about that. No, I, I can't compromise on that. I'm a servant of the Lord. Listen, God's keeping the records. It doesn't matter how popular you are among the people. You just try to stay right with God. Amen to that. The old, the old preacher, he's silent. He's not spoke up. Grandparents in this room, your grandkids need you to speak up for righteousness. Instead of Virginia's going the wrong direction, have you noticed? 
We voted in a we voted in a an amendment to our constitution in Virginia that marriage with a man and a woman. That makes sense to me. Does it make sense to you? God made two kinds of people, men and women. Marriage with a man and woman. That's what the Bible says. God started marriage. I didn't start it. God did. But we've got a lot of folks confused about that. We've got folks confused about, are there 91 different kinds of people? No, there's two kinds, men and women. There needs to be some granddads and some grandmamas who are not silent on these matters. Listen, we don't hate anybody. Amen to that. I don't hate anybody. I love the truth. I love the Bible. And I cannot remain silent. No, there's times that it's just an absolute sin to remain silent. No, but here's what happens. The old man hears his sons come. His sons come and say, oh, Dad, you should have seen what happened. God's alive. Hey, grandparents, don't you want your grandkids to know that God is alive? Yes. That's why we came to church on Sunday night. Come back Wednesday night. That's why we stay in church. That's why we stay in the Bible. That's why we still say blessing over the food. And we're thankful that we got some food. And that's why we still have devotions in the home. And that's why we listen to the right right kind of music. And that's why we give our tithes and our offerings. The old preacher, oh, he's inactive. He's silent and like a clap of thunder when he hears his boys talking about what's taking place. Oh, his his conscience is just seared. Point number two. Number one, the lethargy that marked the old preacher's service. But number two, the animosity that came in the old preacher's spirit. Let me tell you what happens. You, You see at the end of verse 18, he lied. He lied. The old prophet knew that he was condemned. Oh, the young man of God had not said, King, there, there is a, another prophet here, but he's not done his duty and come over here and rebuke you. So I, I'm a young prophet, and I, I've come to rebuke you. Uh, young, young man didn't say that. Explicitly, the old preacher had not been condemned publicly. But implicitly, the, the old preacher knew he'd failed. And so, mm, his pride is hurt. That young preacher came over here on my territory and he's doing my work. And, and he comes up with a plan to, listen to the word, to retaliate. Have you ever thought about retaliating against somebody? Somebody wounds your spirit. You say, ah, I'll teach them a couple things. You know, on a weekly basis, almost on a daily basis, people write all kind of crazy. While I was sitting there, I got a text from someone who hates God. And all he can do is throw criticism at me. And um, about this thing at Washington, D.C., another man said, that's giving away Bibles. That's no good. Uh, There's all kind of critics. Find God's will and just do it. Amen to that. But uh, the old man, he he decides he's going to retaliate. Don't do that. Somebody wounds your spirit. Somebody says some ugly things about you. Don't retaliate. Don't try to vindicate yourself. Pastor, I've not been in the ministry as long as you have. I've been full-time in the ministry 36 years. But I'll say this. I've never, 
I have never seen it work out right when a Christian decides to vindicate themselves and get revenge. I've never seen that work out right. It always leads to failure. It's the wrong thing to do. It's the wrong thing to do. Leave critics in the hands of God. Amen. Tune them out when you need to. Just tune them out. You know, I had someone come to one of my meetings and stop at the table. Man, he just, he just going on and on and on. And I got in the car and had a friend of mine in the car. He said, what did that guy say to you? I said, he said, everything I'm doing is wrong. And he said, well, what else did he say? I said, I don't know. He said, well, he talked to you about 20 minutes. I said, I know. I tuned him out. <laughs> just tune it out. You don't have to listen to everything. I get them critical letters. I just throw them away. Just do God's work and forget it. Leave the critics in God's hands. Amen to that. The old man decides to retaliate. Animosity. And we get to the last point. Number one, the lethargy that marked the old preacher's service. Number two, the animosity that came in his spirit. Lastly, the tragedy that halted the old preacher's success. The old preacher, all of his success halted. It stopped with this act. His ministry is over. It's over. It all comes to a halt, a screeching halt right here. What does he do? He lies to the young man. He gets on his animal and says, hey, hey, boys, he says to his sons, hey, boys, where, where is that young man? Let me, let me go talk to him. And he gets on his animal and he goes, finds. He goes and finds the young preacher. He goes over there and he, he talks about uh, his authority. I, I'm an old preacher. And he uh, adds a little divine uh, word. An angel came and, and spoke to me. He said, you need to come to my house. Mm. He uses a weapon. He's all worked up. He's, he's going to take his revenge. And he uses a weapon against the boy. What does he use? He uses his tongue. And he tells a bald-faced lie. I hate all lying, don't y'all? I think every politician, I'm going to Washington, D.C., I think every politician ought to tell the truth. Amen. I, you know, they, all these words for lying, you know, insinuation, yeah, half-truths, prevarication. Prevarication, you've got to ask me the exact right question if you want me to give you the right answer. Yeah, that's silly. Well, it was a little mendacity. What does mendacity mean? Untruthfulness. All these names for lying. Here, here the old man, he just flat out lies. He lies. He uses his tongue to lie. Now, uh, Brother Derek, you're 26, and all you young people here. Mm. A lot of blame goes to the old man, but not all the blame. The young man of God has been told, go deliver. God says to the young man, go deliver my message. Don't eat anything and don't drink anything. That was, the, that was what God told him to do. But the young man is, listen to the word, gullible. And the young man says, oh, so you're, so you're a preacher too. And, and an angel told you, oh, then it must be okay. 
And the young man goes back to the old preacher's house and he eats and he drinks. And he starts to go home. You know what happens? The young man's going home and he's met by a lion. And the lion destroys the boy. Let me tell you something. God is serious about obedience. God had said to the young man, hey, young folk in this room, God told the young man, deliver my message, don't eat anything, and don't drink anything. I mean, that's pretty simple. Young man was gullible. So young folks in this room and everybody in this room, before you just automatically start believing, folk, you check it out by this. Amen. So I I got me a brand new doctrine nobody's ever seen before. (laughs) Yeah, probably because it's not in this book. You know what I'm saying? And before I just fall in with your new doctrine, I'm going to check it out by the book. That's what I need to do. And the young man was gullible and he lost his life. Wow, what a loss. We need more preachers, not fewer preachers. We need more preachers. And here the young man, he loses his life. Because he believed the old man. So what happens? Look at the end of the chapter. Everybody look at your Bible. We're about done. But oh, there's a lesson in this for us tonight. Verse 33. The lion has has destroyed the young man. And it says in verse 33, After this thing Jeroboam returned not from his evil way. He just got worse, but made again of the lowest of the people. He made the lowest of the people priests to the high places. Whosoever would, he consecrated them, and he became one of the priests of the high priest. And this thing became, what's that next word? Sin. Verse 34, this thing became sin unto the house of Jeroboam, even to cut it off and to destroy it from off the face of the earth. The young man, the young preacher, loses his life. Jeroboam, who's been confronted, and God has his attention. Jeroboam says, huh. So the young man of God, uh, a lion destroyed him on the way home. Huh. How about that? How about that? I, I guess God's not as real as I thought. And Jeroboam gets worse than ever. The old man becomes a coward. The old man hears about the boy's lost his life and says, Oh, bring his body back and put it in my tomb. At first thought, you may think, Well, that's pretty, pretty noble. Uh-uh, he's a coward. Trying to soothe his conscience, I think. Trying to look good in front of the rest of the people. No, old mature Christian, you failed. You failed. All right, so what's the lesson tonight for us? Number one, let's go back to that thought. Number one, God's serious about our obedience. Would you agree with that? God is serious about us obeying Him. So mature Christian, it's not time. Young Christian, it's not time to quit obeying God. No, just in every way, just stay with what God says whether it's popular or unpopular. Just stay with the things of God. Whatever God says do, let's do them. Amen. If God says don't do this, we say 
Yes, sir, Lord. If it's prohibited by you, I'll agree with you. We'll co. We'll comply, Lord. Amen. So number one, let's all remember, mature believer and young believer, let's all remember, number one, God is serious about us obeying. Number two, here's another application to this. It's not just how you start that counts. It's how you finish that counts. All of us need to continue running our race. I was telling pastor, Donnie Sumter ran his race. I didn't know Friday was going to be his last morning. But this past week, he, he preached last Sunday. Six days before he met Jesus face to face, he preached. He had to sit on a chair. He had had a back operation a month earlier. He was in great pain. He was having injections for his pain. But he sat on a chair last Sunday and preached to his people. Wednesday night, Donnie Sumter, Pastor Sumter at his church, a little girl came up and said, Pastor, I've learned my memory verse. And Pastor Sumter said, well, say it for me. And the little girl said her memory verse. And Pastor Sumter, now just two days before he is going to be with the Lord, said, oh, I'm so proud of you. That's so good. Encouraging the little girl to keep memorizing the Bible. My own pastor, Pastor Danny Gray, I've been thinking about him all day. My pastor went to be with the Lord 18 months ago. 19 months ago, we had our last missions conference at our church, last one that Pastor Gray was going to be in charge of. Our church had turned 25 years old. So Pastor Gray, he decided it would be a good thing to have 25 missionaries in. I said, 25 missionaries? I said, Pastor, how are we going to pay all of them? How, how, how are we going to house them? I said, Pastor, are you sure? You know what I'm saying? You'd be saying the same thing. 25 missionaries, Pastor Hall, 25? Pastor Gray said, I know from God we're supposed to have 25 missionaries. And so we, we brought 25 missionaries in. and they, I mean, it was a packed night every night. Everyone, you get five minutes, talk to us. <laughs> you get five minutes. <laughs> One month later, my pastor was with the Lord. I got up to preach his funeral. I said, let me tell you all. And I mean, our building was packed. We had people out watching on screens. Campus was, I mean, the campus was the there's more people on our campus than ever before and my pastor's funeral and I told him I said hey my preacher went out on top he was serving God to the last minute hallelujah this old man quit serving God <clears throat> would you stand would you stand and heads bowed and eyes closed and I want our pianist to come quickly and find the song I have decided to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. May I ask you, <clears throat> let's start with this. Let's start with the essentials. Number one, are you saved? If you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? If you're saved, if you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're on, you're on your way to heaven. But if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Savior, well, you're not on your way to heaven. And it's either heaven or hell. Now, 47 years ago, I received Christ as my Savior. It was on a Thursday night. I asked Jesus to forgive me. I said, Lord, I believe. 
forgive me. Save me. I don't want to go to hell, Lord. Save me. He did. You know something? The Lord's never turned anybody away. Anyone who comes and says, Lord, I repent of my sin. I want you to forgive me. I want you to save me. I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. God always says yes. Yes. I've seen bartenders get saved. I've seen mean and wicked people get saved. (laughs) There's no one God can't save. I've seen highfalutin people get saved. Regal people get saved. I've seen seen two congressmen receive Christ as their Savior. (laughs) God can save anyone, friends. Anyone. So anybody in this room, you want to receive Christ as your Savior tonight? Do it right where you are. Right where you are. Call out to the Lord right now. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, call on the Lord. Say, oh Lord, please save me. I believe Jesus is your son. And I believe he died on the cross, Lord. And I believe he is buried. And I believe he rose from the dead. I believe all that, Lord. And I want you to save me. Please forgive me, Lord, of my sin. Save me. Rescue me from my sin, Lord. Redeem me. Please, Lord. Pardon me. Help me, Lord. Save me. Call on Him. He won't turn you away. If you just right now call on the Lord, may I say, welcome to the family of God. (laughs) I got in on the family of God 47 years ago on a Thursday night. Is there anyone in this room, heads are bowed, is there anyone in this room... That right now, tonight, you just now called on the Lord to save you. Just right now. If you did, would you raise a hand and let me see? Is there anyone who would say, Brother Fox, I want you to know that tonight I received Christ as my Savior. Anyone like that? Would you just raise a hand up and say, I received Christ as my Savior tonight. Anyone? Anyone? Then now, let's move to the next part of this invitation. You want to come to this altar and consecrate yourself to the Lord again tonight. Take my life and let it be, Lord. Consecrated to Thee. Come on, everybody wants to pray at the altar. Come on, everybody, all the mature Christians, baby Christians. Come on, all that want to come to this altar and pray and ask God to help you. That's right, come on. Husbands and wives, whole families come and say, Oh, Lord, we want to finish our course. Who else wants to come? Come on, let's come and make some recommitments to God. A few days ago, I rededicated myself to God. I got on my knees and said, Lord, I want to give myself afresh and again to you. I'll tell you what, that helped me. I was on a Thursday just recently. I got on my knees and said, Lord, I just want to give everything I am to you again. Please help me, Lord. Help me run my course. Who else wants to come? This is what we call the invitation time, where we just give some people a few minutes to talk to God about some things. And some folks like to come to the altar and pray together. And that's fine. We come up to the front of the room and get on our knees. And we never make fun of anybody. No, no, we're encouraging everybody around here. We want everybody to finish their course with Jesus Christ. God's got a plan for all of us. The old preacher, he blew it. I regret that. It breaks my heart to see any preacher fall. It's heartbreaking. I hate to see any Christian become wayward. Oh, I hate to see that. It's tragic. Tragic. 
let's just keep serving the Lord. Look this way and let's, let's sing. We've had people at the altar and we've gone back now. We make some commitments. Let's sing together. I have decided to follow Jesus. Everybody sing with me on this song. Ready? Here we go. Ready? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, Pastor. No turning back. Amen. Amen. Well, I needed that tonight. How about you? Amen. The Bible says, let the man that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he what? Falleth. Amen. Boy, we need God's mercy and grace, don't we? Amen. Let's have prayer. Thank you for coming. And even though we're dismissing, if we can be of any help to you at all, please let us know before you leave, okay? And be sure and go by that table. And uh, is Derek out there? He's, uh, uh, get on out there, Derek. I know it. And uh, so uh, just, just, uh, uh, if you don't have any money, just take it. Derek will pay for it. And uh, he's all right. He's got it. But seriously, go by the table and maybe something there. And, boy, that's a good idea. Somebody was talking about getting tracks or something the other day, putting in, uh, giving out at Halloween trick-or-treaters yeah. and so forth. And, and so, yeah, some of the gospel tracks, some of these things. And uh, so that's a good thought and a good idea. So let's have a word of prayer. If we can be of any help to you at all, please let us know. Let's pray, okay? Father, thank you for the health to be here tonight. <clears throat> thank you for each one who's here, the good spirit. And God, we do pray your hand of blessing continue upon Brother Fox and safety, watch care over him. And God, we just thank you for each one who's here tonight. Bless us as we go our separate ways. <clears throat> may the Holy Spirit bring the truth of your word back to our hearts that we may profit and benefit from it. We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Good night, folks. God bless you.